Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in and making this podcast a part of your day today. I am your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, guys, it's exciting to be here. I'm, ex- I'm especially excited because today is a mile marker for our podcast. We have hit the big 5-0. I know, not, not, many, <laughs> not many podcasters can say they have lasted 50 episodes. I think the average is like 20 something. If I remember correct, last time I heard, I might be wrong. So if you're, if I'm wrong, uh, leave us a review and put in the review that I'm wrong. Uh, still put five stars. Yes. Just still put five stars. But yeah, so yeah. So yeah. It's, again, I couldn't do this if it weren't for the support of you, David, and the support oh, of people. Man. Uh, listening like you who are now tuning into the podcast. Uh, but if people may be wondering, why are we pulling out a episode a week early? There is a special reason for that. What That's, is that reason, Ryan? <laughs> it's because this episode is actually being sponsored by Youth Ministry Booster. Uh, I love Youth Ministry Booster. I'm a big fan of it. I've been part of Youth Ministry Booster for the last year. As and, have I. And just uh, and when it comes to Youth Ministry Booster, for those of you who do not know what it is, it is a network of youth pastors. So Youth Ministry uh, Booster, for being a member, it just cost $199. Okay, I mean, when you first hear that, say, eh, that's a lot of money, but that's for an entire year, and it's less than the price of a student ministry conference. Uh, and here's what's included is, is a, a live video webinars with leading ministry voices, on-demand digital resources uh, whenever uh, and wherever you need them. Uh, practical training courses uh, that keep you sharp and up to date in the world of student ministry, uh, weekly one-on-one soul care calls to support your spiritual and mental health. Plus, you'll be placed in a mastermind group with other youth ministers from across the country who understand your context, context because they are in it. Uh, but here's the thing that, and here's why we wanted to release this episode early is that you have to hurry and register by September the 2nd. You have until September the 2nd at midnight to register. If you want to learn more um, of how to join, you just have to visit youthministrybooster.com. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes to give you a link directly to that. Highly encourage you to do that. Um, during COVID, has been a phenomenal resource for me and my ministries. I'm trying to figure out how in the world to do digital ministry with my students. And I have gleaned so much wisdom and great information from people who are smarter than me just because I was a part of this network. Yeah. And I've been a part of it for, uh, I, I think it, technically speaking, it would be the beginning of this year because uh, there was another network that rolled into this one as well that I was a part of. So uh, I've been excited about being a part of it. Uh, I've just been uh, put in my mastermind group for the season and I'm excited about it because I think this is the same one I was in last time. Um, I have to go back and check. But uh, one of the things I love about the fact that this exists is that it's it's geared uh, towards our, not just our category of ministry, but, uh, it's, it's to help us really not feel so alone. Um, ministry, as you guys know, can be a very lonely field sometimes. And with COVID going on, I mean, it feels even more isolating. So having guys you can reach out to that you can pray with, that you can bounce ideas off, having resources available. Um, I've been very, 
very pleased with the experience I've had with Youth Ministry Booster. I would encourage anybody who's in youth ministry who has uh, the ability to to join it, and um, especially if you are in a more rural setting like I am, where you know maybe you're living out in the middle of the county and you're the only church for miles, and there's no other youth pastors you can network with. <laughs> Hop on Youth Ministry Booster because we're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that kind of leads into our interview today. Um, we had, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, Zach Workin. Um, he's one of the co-founders of Youth Ministry Booster. And what we wanted to talk about was how to lead up during a time of COVID. And what I mean by lead up is uh, how to lead when you're not in charge and how to make changes when you're not the senior leader and, and just some strategies with that and how to do that effectively. And me and Zach, uh, you're going to find out that it's more of a conversation than an interview. Um, and I'm really appreciated his input on this subject. Uh, so we kind of just fleshed out just different strategies of how to be more effective in leading up uh, during a time of COVID. So stay tuned for this week's episode. Well, guys, I am super excited of our guest today. We're going to be talking to Zach Workin. Hey, 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 Zach. For those who may have, may because we got we picked up some new new people on the podcast. You, you've listeners. been rocking it, man. You had some of my favorite people. Steady, steady stream of fresh content in a season of COVID. Ryan Sebastian dropping the heat in the middle of the summer. Trying to. Of course, it's been kind of hard with how crazy COVID has been. Right. Maybe for those who, who just got on the podcast, who, who have not been listening long, and they don't know who you are, how kind of how introduce yourself a little bit, uh, your journey in ministry, and kind of where you are today. Well, welcome new listeners. Thanks for checking out one of the best podcasts in youth ministry. Uh, my name is Zach, and I'm a big fan of Ryan and everything that he's doing in podcasting. Uh, but I currently serve as the student ministry specialist for LifeWay Students. And I'm one of the co-founders of Youth Ministry Booster, a membership network for youth ministers to find ideas, collaboration, care, and support in the work that they do uh, in a really great kind of convenient, accessible, ongoing way. And so I, I love youth ministers. And so if you're serving in a role, whether it's volunteer, bivocational, full-time, part-time, however you're serving and leading the students and families of your church and equipping volunteers, uh, we we love the work that you do and want to come alongside and support you in all the ways that we can that way. And I just, I love hearing from the folks that love students. It's my favorite kind of people. Yeah. And just in case we have someone who doesn't know what Youth Ministry Booster is, of course, it's the best uh, youth pastor network in the world. Thanks, in my opinion. man. Thanks, man. How about you talk a little bit about why you feel like that is such an important tool for youth pastors? Because it grew out of youth ministry. So my best friend, Chad and I, who still calls me at eight o'clock uh, Monday through Thursday, every single week, uh, we're having conversations about how to continue in youth ministry in a healthy way. And so if you are in your late 20s, early 30s, in your seventh, eighth year of youth ministry, you probably are feeling it. Like I kind of have things figured out and I realize that ministry really isn't up to my skill set, but my dependence on both good friends and good faith and the ways in which the Lord will lead. Um, but for so many of us, ministry is draining work. I think it's really important to name that, that, that the work of ministry is, is, is exhausting in, in ways that other jobs are not because it's so relationally heavy and so volunteer driven. Like we, we pour our everything into what we're doing. And sometimes when you put a lot of emphasis on the work that you're about, you can lose sight of who you are, um, the calling that's placed on your life. And so we talk a lot about for those that are called to ministry, that calling demands a community unto itself. Like you've got to be a part of a group that cares about you as much as you would want the students in your church to be in a small group, 
discipleship group, life group, as much as you would want your volunteers in their own deepening study and growth. We want to be the support system and ministry to those who minister because we need it too. And if you feel called to the work of loving students, youth, young people, and their families, you need the support for the work that you're called to do. And that means a community like Booster. And so it's online, it's accessible for a lot of folks. Um, time is is short and our schedules are busy. And so we have groups that meet in mastermind, peer-based learning groups uh, that are uh, really accessible and convenient. All of our stuff meets and happens online. So if you're in a spot where you can't get to other folks or you've got a busy schedule, we've got over 30 groups that are meeting this season uh, that we can get you into the right fit group for what you need. And so uh, we love youth ministers. We want to support you in the ways in which uh, a resource is good for your ministry. We want to be the resource that's good for you. Absolutely. And again, I've been part of Booster for the last, I think the last year. It's been great. Um, yeah. Thanks, buddy. And, and I have loved every minute of it. I have opportunities to be a part of a mastermind group and just discuss hard things that I'm dealing with and struggling with and get to listen to other pastors who are dealing with the same issues and just encouraging each other, lifting each other up. And that kind of brings up um, and leads to kind of what, we're, what I want to talk about a little bit today, and that is uh, leading up in ministry. Because, uh, and this is probably one of the biggest things even uh, that appear in a lot of youth pastors is the struggle to dealing with a senior leadership who, who they say that doesn't understand, they get frustrated, they're trying to move ministry a certain direction. They feel like you're hitting roadblocks. And so I, I hear this a lot when it comes to specifically youth pastors uh, dealing with the role of senior leadership and how there's a clash between the two. So I kind of want to talk about, kind of talk about leading up and specifically in this time of COVID, uh, because I do feel like there's some youth pastors out there who are trying to make some changes, some needed changes in the digital realm of digital ministry and maybe hitting some roadblocks with senior leadership or even uh, maybe not even senior leadership, maybe even just a committee sure. understanding the importance of it. the deacons, the executive council. Sure. Sure. Uh, man, th I think that's an important conversation again, to have with a peer group of ministers who are not in charge. I think there's one kind of universal thing whether you're part-time, full-time, vivo, or volunteer, very few youth ministers are in charge of the ship. And so for a lot of us, we have a department or a division or a team that we're responsible for. Uh, and we are accountable to, responsible to uh, a senior leader person. And I think it's really important to see the ways in which we are playing on a team. So I I'd like to start the conversation, Ryan, and then I want to hear from you because you shared on our pre-show a little bit of some things that you wanted to outline today. I want to make sure I hit those bullets, but just one of the things that I would share, at least for a mindset shift, especially in a COVID season where everything feels up for grabs or up for revisiting and evaluation is that your staff team is your first team. And I think some of us come into ministry and we think that we're going to bat for our students and volunteers. And as much as I think a student minister should be an advocate for the ways in which students are stressed or maybe Sunday mornings are hard to get students motivated to show up for, or you know, some folks in church don't understand what's actually going on in the life of a teenager, we need to advocate for those things. Your first team is your staff team. Like you working with your senior pastor or the executive council or your education minister, like whoever is your team uh, that meets weekly or monthly for staff stuff, that is your first team. And in many ways, you're helping to craft a vision for student ministry leadership in uh, collaboration with that first team, as opposed to bringing what the students are doing to that group to like try to like topple it or change it or challenge it. Like there is a moment where we're going to find some tension of some different things. But if you are running a different philosophy or vision for your student ministry that is not in sync with your senior leadership or the vision of the church, you are like 
on the rail car headed in a real miserable direction. So just again, to think through like, I am not here to champion these kids in the name of the student, in the name of the, what, the senior pastor to have to hear me or whatever, like work well and collaborate with that first team. So important. No, absolutely not. No, I absolutely agree. Um, I think sometimes uh, there may be youth workers out there because at least I've heard it this side of the aisle is we come in thinking that this is mine. Yes. <laughs> and in reality, it's not yours. My ministry. <laughs> it's, not your, it's not your, it was established there before you. Um, and, and first of all, it's, it's, it's the church, the body of Christ in that local church. It's their ministry. It was there before you and Lord willing, it'll be there after you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and get part of that, I think is, is uh, growing up in a sense of ministry, because I think all of us, uh, when we just go into full-time ministry, we have that mentality and that drive. And even I can even use myself as an example. My, in my uh, late 20s, the first time I entered full-time ministry, having that mindset, this is mine, and go, having so many frustrations because of that. And it took me a long time to get to a mm-hmm. point to understand that this is not my ministry. I'm a steward over this ministry, but this is not mine. This is our local body. This is their ministry. And ultimately, it's God's, not mine. Yes, yes. Well, tell me a little bit. So we, we wanted to outline a few things, though, because there is, however, some space, I think, to innovate, challenge, and nudge, especially if the relationship is good. Uh, being new to a position or being fresh or younger in ministry, if you're the 20 something or 30 something on a staff team that's full of 40, 50, and 60 somethings, at some level, being hired in is that they, they do want to hear from you. And I think that's an important thing to also note is that you got hired, you were invited in, you were chosen because there was something about you that they felt like you had to say or that you could do that they could not. And so, Ryan, where do you start in that? relationship of both living into serving translating the vision of the church but also nudging and and speaking and 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 innovating in ways that that they could not have done without you yeah i would have to say when you get there's there's two questions that i uh well first first of all one question i would ask myself uh when it has to deal with senior leadership and you can even apply this to committee or, or any board that's over you is why is a senior leadership not listening to me? Mm. Uh, asking that question first, why aren't they taking the ideas I'm giving or the direction that I would like to go? Why aren't they taking that to heart? And what they're, or, or why aren't they applying that? And here's a couple of things I, I would kind of think through, because this is where I was at uh, roughly, about, roughly about three years ago. Um, because I've been serving here in my current ministry for almost seven years. I'm getting closer and closer to that. And uh, three years ago, I got to a point where I was asking those questions of my senior leadership as I keep talking about these ideas, try to push things forward. And why is it not going through? Why do I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not being listened to? And I have really had to have a heart to heart with God during that time. And I, during that time I was listening to several podcasts and there was a couple of podcasts where he spoke to me and I had other people in my life as well speaking to me through that process. But one thing that I learned is I have not earned the right to be heard yet. Okay. Uh, in a sense that I have not been investing in my relationship with my pastor, uh, with my senior leadership. And and you took it a point because I was basically I got to a point where I was whining and complaining, but not being active and proactive uh, when it comes to my relationship with my pastor. Okay. Had these ex- expectations of, hey, uh, why aren't you meeting with me? Why aren't we investing, discipling, pouring into me? But I wasn't myself actually pursuing that and pursuing it with him. And so during that time, I had really had to heart to heart and learn that I did not earn the right to be heard uh, with him. And also, um, now this wasn't so much me, but as much I, I see this and other situations and other youth pastors um, is your attitude mm. and how 
when you are coming to your pastor with these ideas or your leadership board, again, whoever is over you, if you're coming with them with these ideas and, and creative, innovative ideas, and you get shot down, your attitude is during that situation and your heart during that situation is what's going to, over time, allow that person or team to trust you. So if you come in, in a situation where you get shot down and you're visibly frustrated, bashing your, uh, your committee, bashing your pastor, of course, that's going to translate in the losing trust and them not listening to you. Mm. And then the next thing I think of as well is the lack of understanding. So, so, so hold on, because that's, that's a, I want to pause. That's a really important thing. So how you respond to when you aren't heard might matter as much as how you respond when you are heard. Because I think exactly. that is, uh, I, I, think, I think a lot of us think that like, I had a great idea. They're going to think it's great too, and they're going to do it. And it may take a little bit of chipping away of having more than one idea, more than one suggestion, and, and then also the character and the courage to share again. Okay, that's good. So it matters how yes. you respond to feeling not heard as much as it matters as how good you feel when you are heard. All right. No, I, okay. no absolutely. Okay. okay. Ab- absolutely. And, uh, and again, it's just some of this is common sense. Uh, but when we're in the moment, going through frustrations, we lose a sense of common sense mm. uh, in those situations. And a lot of it's lack of maturity as well. Uh, I think about um, uh, some of my good friends and who started right after they graduated from college, straight into full-time ministry in their early 20s, uh, which is nothing wrong with that. But they had so much frustration because the way they were handling stuff with their senior leadership was such a negative in a negative way and negative attitude. And, and back during that time, I could be honest with you in my early twenties, when I'm hearing these things from my other, my friends that were in ministry while I was still in seminary. And when I was hearing this, I, at that time I was in agreement with them. Mm-hmm. How it's like, how, how in the world is your senior leadership? How in the world is your committee? Why are they doing that to you? Yeah. You should quit. Okay. If I quit and go somewhere else, yeah, and you'll show a, them, yeah. yeah. And that, that was that was a, and again that was a lack of maturity, lack of understanding uh, on my part when it comes to my friendship with them um, as well. But yes, and the and again the last thing is understanding. I would say is lack of understanding of a senior leadership role. Mm. Um, I, that, I, that that cannot be stressed enough. I I think I think there's a lot of youth pastors that. Um, right or wrong, um, have a limited view of what all their senior pastor goes through in the same way that your volunteers don't know all the phone calls that you took that weren't them. Mm -hmm. We don't know all the complaints, stressors, and frustrations that your senior pastor is going through beyond what we bring to them. And so I would, I would always measure everything first with grace um, before you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Before you have it all figured out on their behalf. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the perspective that we have as an outside perspective. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you are not in their chair. You're watching from, yeah. Like again, you're in it too. You're in the mix, but the quarterback sees from the pocket very differently than the wideout does. No, absolutely. And, and hit me, hit me. <laughs> he got sacked, man. You didn't see. <laughs> yeah, sacked by a deacon. Um, Dude, that's right. Um, but see, so, yeah, so what, yeah, I even use my, I'll use my situation as an example is uh, there, again, there's some frustrations I had with my senior leadership and all of it really stems from problems with me and my heart, not from my pastor. Okay. Um, Again, it has to do with a lot of these things with with attitude from the right to be heard and just for the fact of being selfish. Uh, a lot of it has to do with that as well. But anyway, so I didn't have a, a realistic expectation understanding of my, what my pastor deals with. Mm. Uh, we went through, uh, of course, I'm located here in Lumberton, North Carolina. Our t- town was hit by two major hurricanes within two years. Uh, half our town was... Uh, lost their homes and displaced a good chunk of them about 3000, uh, both times, if I'm correctly correct. And we have, uh, Baptist men, uh, is here still building homes through all that mess. Wow. And, 
and just that, and there's a bunch of other stuff that my pastors I deal with uh, over the last few years. And he's only been there for seven years a very short amount of time. He's dealt with more stuff than most pastors deal with their entire ministry. And I don't have time to go into all the stuff he's been dealing with, but when I got to a point of understanding where he was at, mm-hmm. um, I had a different perspective from my pastor. Uh, that, and, and just that kind of dives in what we're going to talk about here a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you got to get to a point where you, you're willing to help your pastor. Yes. Are you willing to help them in the moment where they're dealing with? Because you, and that's just a, having a humble attitude as well. When you go, when you're dealing with your senior leadership, you're trying to see change. You have to do that with humility. And mm. I think a lot of times when we come to try to make changes that we see is necessary, uh, we come in it more as in a prideful attitude rather than humility. Mm. And again, like that's, um, the edge, the edge of how you approach it matters as much as what you want done. Like if, if you really, if you really care about what gets changed, you won't care if you get credit or not. You won't care if it takes some time. You won't care um, if they're slow to understand it. And I think for a lot of us, uh, we want that credit or we want it immediately. Um, and a heart of humility. Like I, I can't, man, right. You're saying it. And I think for so many of us, like we're nodding, but those moments are hard when, when it's like, we feel like we, we are onto something or we see something or we're putting pieces together that, that aren't put together yet. And I, I think that, um, again, a lot of that is returned to, you don't own this ministry. Like that cannot be said enough that like how you hold it, it is not from a position of ownership. Like you want the best for it. You contribute, you collaborate. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't own it. And if you don't own it, like you don't have to own the timeline for when things happen or don't happen. And I think that allows, allows us to be humble. It doesn't always just make us humble. It allows us to be humble um, because it isn't just up to Ryan's energy or effort. It's not just up to Zach's capacity or tenacity. And that, that's freeing. I, I hope. I think. Well, so, it should be. It should I hope be. So. I hope so. <laughs> it should be. It should be freeing. Um, but yeah, man. So it's it's just uh, it's easy to get caught up in what you want. Mm. So easy. And, and again, I'm guilty of this all the stinking time. Uh, where I see a direction that I want to go, uh, and. I get hit and stonewalled over and over again. And I have to come back to understanding that is this really what God wants or this is what I want? And that's another question you need to ask yourself too. Um, and because if God wants this, he wants this to happen, it's going to happen. It may not happen when you want it to, uh, but it's going to happen. And the direction, the change um, will happen over time. And what I've, what I've learned, uh, part of this may be because uh, I grew up in ministry. My grandfather was a pastor of 40 some years. Dad was a pastor for 30 some years before my parents went to the mission field. Um, So I got to see things uh, from a different perspective. And it took my dad and my grandfather 20 some years to change the direction of the church I grew up at uh, to a very legalistic church, to a church that's now growing and thriving and has. Uh, over 1,200 members and sends out their own missionaries and having a gospel impact locally, regionally, and beyond that. It took 20 years to get to that point. Change doesn't start and happen immediately. It takes time. Yes. Yep. Which is the benefit of being somewhere seven years. And I think that's, that's the other part uh, of this is, is not just the humility, but the patience um, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, Ryan, and, and we talk about it a lot with our folks in Booster. Like, there's some things you can't do in ministry until you've been there three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. Like, there, there are things that you can try or, uh, or push that only happen when you've been there long enough that they're like, man, I don't know. Ryan, I, don't, I don't understand it, but Ryan's been here a while and the kids like him, so let's do it. And I think that is something that, like, that there, there is uh, a way to, to, 
and I'm sorry that it feels this way, but earn credibility, right? It's not that you've lost credibility, but at some level we have to stack the chips up and we don't just get all of them when we show up to, you know, to play the game. And I think for a lot of us, like, like we maybe feel like we're not being heard, not because people don't love and respect us, but we haven't been there long enough, right? And I, I'll, I'll say that, like, there's something really special. And I'd love to hear your thoughts after your fifth year at the same place. Like there are just things that just kind of slot together more smoothly because people mm-hmm. have an expectation of you, you know how to navigate the waters better, but like year five at the same place is so very different than year two or three. <laughs> no, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, and, uh, it's, it's like a switch flips. It's like, oh, wait, everybody's <laughs> listening to me. Everybody's coming to the meetings. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it, it takes, it takes literally that long to earn um, some, res- I guess, I guess respect in some yeah. ways, when it comes to parents, they actually learn your name. Yeah, yeah. And well, even 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 now, well, I guess we st- I still struggle with that now because uh, anyway, I'm not in front of the stage as much as I need to be, so people don't see my face. But yeah, so it, it, your fifth year in ministry uh, as a whole, uh, there's two things that I think happen. Uh, your fifth year in ministry, your the fifth year in ministry, you uh, you start gaining the credibility. Okay. Uh, during that time, uh, your leaders start really trusting you. You start even start to build a better leadership team around that time, in my opinion, and in my experience. And I, that's around the time where my pastor started listening to me more and more was during, during that time. But it took about five years okay. to get to that point. Not saying that him not listening to me before was a bad thing. Now, I thought about it. I thought then it was a bad thing. But it's really not because you you have to earn a credibility. Mm. Even even in my in my sense in my my experience in my way I'm wired, I'm not going to listen to somebody as intently uh, when it comes to ministry if they have not been in ministry for a longer period of time. Okay, because because okay. you uh, good reframe it right right right. How, how does anybody feel about their volunteer that just showed up saying, well, you ought to do this to reach the kids? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do, do a little perspective check. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because, because, <laughs> yeah, because, because, because when you, you earn trust over time, trust is not earned immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, just if, if when you re- have a new recruit from leadership, that's a great example. It's not wise to put that brand new leader in a major leadership role uh, over your ministry. Right, it's good. It's right. good to ease them in. Cause you, again, why you ease them in is for two reasons for of course them to feel like this is a real, a niche where they need to be also for you to say, Hey, can I really trust this person with more responsibility in my ministry? And that's the same perspective when it comes to senior leadership or in a committee or the lead, anybody who's over you is the same perspective is that they have to do earning trust and earning trust takes time. It's not an immediate thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's, that's one perspective I always go back to is where your heart is. Mm. And I probably would end this conversation with the same thing is where is your heart? Yeah. So it's, it's the humility. Again, these are not things that are tactical or strategic. These are heart conditions. It's humility. It's patience. Uh, and, and Ryan, I, would, I think I would encourage and say it this way. It's listening. Yeah. Are, are you willing? Are you the person that has to always speak? Or have you actually listened and heard the folks on that first team that you're hoping to influence? Like, if you want to influence up, I think you've got to start from a posture of listening. Um, and that, that will teach you when to speak and will actually give you something to say. Uh, and so I, I think, again, it's not tactical or strategic. It, it's a heart condition, a heart position. Of are, are you willing to listen to hear what the struggle of the senior leader is? Are you willing to listen and hear the history of the church that's tried something very similar to what you said and got very burnt? Are you willing to listen and hear how busy the children's minister is with their life and how what you're proposing only creates more work for them and not less work for them. Uh, I think I think a lot a lot of us like we we imagine it from our own perspective and from our own margin, uh, and that is that's not always true. And so the relational value of knowing enough about them to be able to speak what we think might be helpful, innovative, true, different, better. Yeah. yeah, and what we're talking about, when you're talking about listening, and those who are listening right now, what we mean by that 
um, is is not just hearing. Yes. Okay. Not just yes. hearing, but processing and internalizing. Not just hearing. So, um, because if you gave the example of listening to a children's director where they're at, or a pastor where they're at, what they're struggling with, you're not just hearing it; you're internalizing it. And and also, I would encourage when you're in those positions, you're listening, internalizing, pray. Mm. Uh, I think, again, I talked to Daniel Henderson a few episodes back, particularly on uh, the importance of prayer and kind of how that element in prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit is kind of removed a lot of ways from uh, youth ministries without, mm-hmm. I don't think intentionally, I just think it's unintentionally. And great example of that, and, and I talked to, to him about this as well, when you go to a youth conference, the, all the youth conferences I've ever been to, for the most part, there's been few exceptions. There hasn't been much talk about prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit in your ministry. Uh, it's more about leadership tactics and all that. So that, that mentality can also seep into what we're talking about today mm-hmm. uh, to where you're trying to, you're trying to lead, from, lead uh, from a heart that's more sort of self-centered on you than centered on God. And that does affect of how you actually lead up, how you deal with your senior leadership, and, and it actually affects every aspect of your life, but also this as well. We're talking about leading up, but there is one thing I kind of want us to talk about specifically today. And, and Zach, I'm going I'm to, both of us kind of flesh this out. Okay. It is, so how can we help lead our church in a digital age when our leadership has a hard time seeing the need for change. Mm. And I, we talked about this earlier before we recorded it. reason why I think this is an important question to ask is for churches that are dealing with senior, senior leadership right now that has a hard time seeing the need for change and digital change and how, do you, how uh, online church is a new thing and that can't go away. It's got to continue. Uh, and it's hard for them to wrap their minds around that. And it, that can actually possibly cause some frustration from a youth leader's perspective of moving in a direction that reaches not only their students, which is most important, but their parents. Mm. They're reaching adults because your, your adult ministry translates directly into what's going on in the student ministry and children's ministry. So that is just as important. So I feel like this question is, is a question that's very relevant uh, for a lot of us today is how can we lead up and lead our church in those type of situations? Yeah, um, I, think, I think it's really important. And this grows out of the relationship stuff we talked about in the first part of the podcast um, is kind of knowing what their vision and their heart is. Um, I think a lot of times we declare the good in the abstract and we haven't been able to point to some of the things uh, that speak their language, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, finding some metrics that are helpful for them, like showing them what an engagement number could look like, showing them uh, the number of people that we might reach, um, showing them and and gathering stories from people in the congregation um, that, you know, having a Zoom small group on Sunday morning when they have little kids at home when there's no child care. I mean, that, that was a big selling point for our executive pastor to allow us to keep doing uh, virtual small groups in this season. Um, it was, it was through some people, my age, our age, that had little kids at home and they had kind of committed that they weren't going to do child care yet because they were nervous about the ramifications. And we said, can we just keep meeting online? And I think he thought, well, that means that we aren't doing anything, but we let him eavesdrop in on a couple of the, of the calls and they're really rich and good on Sunday mornings because our kids can play and be at their own homes. Uh, so letting them see it, I think a lot of them need to see it. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of us in this season feel the urgency because the times dictate that we've got to move faster mm-hmm. and we do, but to like help them visualize what it is and help them to measure what we're doing. I think, I think that's one of the things that uh, is, is good. Resp- 
responsible, accountable work in the church, uh, but working with them on the ways in which we can see what we're doing and we can measure what's being done. Because uh, otherwise, they don't they don't understand. But what they do yeah. understand is 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 you know folks getting together or this having an impact or this serving a set number of people. Um, you know, don't don't just go hand out. You know. Uh, snack baskets for students as they're getting ready to do school from home, give them a number of how many you handed out and what was included and allow them to weigh in. And so I think some of those visualizations, metrics and feedback elements are really important. So we aren't just totally rogue on what we're doing, um, but we are, you know, bringing it under the umbrella of the work that we're about week to week. No, absolutely. I agree. Um, as I'm, as I was thinking through this, uh, one of them going back to what I said earlier uh, in the conversation that we you make sure you're praying for your leadership. If you, if you're if you're seeing a need and your need for major change, it start to me it starts with prayer, uh, praying for your leadership, praying that um, if this if this is somewhere God's directing our church to go to, that it's all Him and not us doing it. That He's in control, He's running it. But at the same time, asking for your leadership, the God to be with your leadership and to understanding the importance of this because again everything starts and ends with prayer uh when it comes to any major leadership change in your own life uh in, in the life of your church and, that, and, that, and the second thing i would think about as well is it, i wrote down uh, do your homework it's kind of tied into what you're talking about making sure that you're doing the research behind this that you're not just coming out with a blank slate saying oh i have an idea uh without something to back up the idea mm-hmm. you're trying to give in the either metrics, what you're currently doing, uh, research outside. Barna has been doing a lot of research lately uh, in this realm as well. Use, it, use those things, present that to your leadership. And at the same time, uh, I think what you said is great idea uh, is have them join what you're doing. See it. Yeah. Have to have them come join because it, it is for it's someone new. like how yeah. they can't imagine they haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For someone like you and me who who've who've been using Zoom for a good while, uh, for a long time, living so we, on it, living on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we we get it. Okay, we we get it. But for from someone who doesn't use digital things like Zoom, they're not going to get it. Uh, they're uh, and in fact, our pastor. Uh, I, when I was, they were trying to figure stuff out or back in March when COVID still hit, everything's closing. And I said, Hey, use zoom. And they were like, what zoom? And I explained what it is. And I said, Hey, you can do breakouts. You can do small groups. That's where we're doing the youth. We're, we're meeting together and breaking out in small groups and zoom. It's like, man, this is pretty cool. It's like, yeah. And so, so, and again, they, a lot of senior leadership, a lot of people don't understand. So give them the tools to mm. understand. Yep. Uh, so I think it starts there. And also one thing that I did personally was start with some of the changes I would like to see for us to do as a church as a whole. I started first doing in my ministry. I'm making those changes first, doing a lot of social media stuff, trying to do things, engaging my parents, engaging my students, not looking at views because views are irrelevant. So if you're still looking at views, sorry, that's irrelevant. It's the engagement. That's right. Find the right numbers, right? Find the right yeah. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just applying all the stuff in, in my ministry before I ever went in front of my pastor and said, hey, I feel like this is something that we need to do. Uh, here's why. Look what I'm doing. I'm seeing that this is working with me in my ministry. Uh, and I think we can translate this as a, as a church. So be willing to start first in your ministry before you even come forward with an idea. Also. Uh, Last thing I was thinking about is be willing to remove, and, and people may ask why this has to do with this question, and I'll explain that in just seconds, but be willing to remove something off your senior leadership's role. Yes. yes. Um, if you want to see your church move forward, you got, uh, especially in smaller churches, okay, the average church in America, is, uh, last time I uh, read, was about 60. The average church has about 60 members. And that may have fluctuated from last time I saw that stat. But because of that, that senior leadership is taking immense amount of pressure and things to do from administration, sometimes secretary, uh, sometimes also being the youth pastor. 
in, right. in, some ways, in some ways. So there you have multiple hats, multiple roles, and you being willing to remove some of those roles actually gives him more room to make changes where it needs to happen. Yeah. Don't, don't, go to, don't go to your senior leader with more things to do unless you're willing to go and help do some of the things that they feel like needs to be done. And I think that's a way, again, to really show your investment into the organization and into their life, into their listening. Hey, you said that changing out, dude, changing out the letters on that old sign out front, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if you ever served in a place that had one of the literal old church signs out front, oh, yeah. but that is something that could easily be done AirPod in, listen to a podcast, change and spend 45 minutes to just take that off of your senior pastor who feels like nobody else is like able to do this. Because I think for a lot of our folks that, that we want to help, they probably have some bottleneck or lid in their thinking, right? Like, yeah. I've got to do all this. How could I even do all of that? And so I think you're right. You're sharing this from a collaborative standpoint, which means I'm willing to take on some of this or take some of the stuff off of your plate. And even if you feel yeah. like what that was, wasn't that important for them, they feel like it is, and they can't even breathe or think about something else because if I can share a truism and working with a bunch of ministers, Everybody is currently as busy today as they can handle until something breaks, right? Like we all, no, nobody's walking around with lots of bandwidth, right? We're all filling up our days with meetings and stuff to get done and do. Uh, if we're really healthy, maybe we have a Sabbath or some bandwidth, but I guess, I'm guessing if we have that, we probably are fighting to protect it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we're oh, yeah. all as busy as we can handle. So don't be handing out more things to be done until we can free up the load of what already needs to be done. Yeah, and even even because um, I I practiced this, and it took me a while to get to this point to understand this. Uh, but there was I got to a point where I felt like my pastor was doing too too much, which he was. I don't really don't think he was really truly having a Sabbath because of the amount of stuff he was doing. And I just went to him. This was almost a, over a year ago, and just went to him and said, "Hey, look, I know you got a lot. You're doing too much." let me take something off of your plate. Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm more administrative minded. So if you want to give me something more administrative to do, I don't, just give me something off your plate. And immediately when I, when I asked that, he looked at me and said, you take the ride, the new bylaws, the new church constitution. So I was like, please okay. help me with this. Yeah. Okay. That's a huge ask. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it takes an ask because I'm going to be honest. I don't think, there might be some pastors out there that would automatically try to delegate, but the ne most people struggle with delegation. I, I truly believe most leaders struggle with that because they want to hold on to it. And it's hard to let something go uh, when you're control over. It. It's just naturally hard for a lot of leaders. And so instead of waiting for the ask, you ask. Mm. So, uh, and just, and that's one, one example. If I took that on, of course, we we're finalizing stuff and then COVID hit, then have to wait until this junk's over with before we start about that back up. But yeah, so I took that off of this plate, been working on that. And then just recently, uh, we have not been utilizing social media very well uh, during this whole COVID. And, and, and to be honest with you, there was some frustration in me that we weren't doing what we needed to be doing because okay. I wasn't, I wasn't okay. the person over it. And then I, then I went back and I had a heart check like I should and, and praying through it, I realized, Hey, if I want, if this, if I want this to be done, I got to be willing to do it, at least offer to do it. And so I went to my pastor and said, look, I had a, I had a game plan, uh, where our social media strategy for our church, very simple things to do. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, you take over. Hmm. So it, just, it takes you being willing to to do things, to take your stuff off your pastor's plate, sometimes in order to do real change. It starts with that. Love it. Well, man, it has been fun talking to you. I, I can Always talk about pleasure, this buddy. all stinking day. <laughs> Uh, and now we're about to both go to meetings with our senior leaders, right? That's my oh, yeah. afternoon's full of. <laughs> yeah, same here. So all of you that are listening, I just want to, I just want to end with this is, is before you get upset, before you get discouraged, mm. check your heart. Mm. Where is your heart? 
um, is it wrapped around you and your selfish desires, or is it wrapped around asking and pleading God, what do you want? Uh, and it took me a long time to understand that personally of that what I was struggling with and what I was dealing with was a heart issue personally. Not my senior leadership, even though there's some 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 some, some frustration parts. Sure, sure. Really, there's Things really change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really a heart. My heart wasn't in the right place, and my heart and attitude towards leadership wasn't where it needed to be. So that's been my challenge for you. If you're listening, check your heart before you can go to your senior leadership and making sure that your heart is where it needs to be. Love it. All right, Zach. If if um, if somebody want to get connected with you, uh, maybe to talk more about Mi- Youth Ministry Booster, which is, again, the awesome, best awesomeness, if that was a real word, uh, <laughs> youth network it. in the world. So how would they get in connect with you if they want to get to be a part of that network? Man, youthministrybooster.com. Registration for this season actually closes September 2nd. So if you're catching this episode after then, uh, it's going to be run until midnight, September 2nd, 2020. Uh, and if you don't join then, you have to wait till next spring. Um, but you can always check us out at Youth Ministry Booster or Ministry Booster on social stuff or for me at Zach Workin on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Uh, we are always happy to serve and encourage. Uh, got some exciting stuff coming out after membership closes. Uh, we will always have some great resources for you and your leaders. Um, but if you to be a part of that vibrant community where ideas are happening, the think tank is churning and the support is real, uh, check out youthministrybooster.com before midnight, September 2nd. We'd love to have you be a part of the community. All right, man. Thanks, Zach, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Hey guys, I am super thankful for Zach and his heart and his input. And I just loved having our opportunity just to flesh out strategies on how to lead up as a youth pastor. Because I know every one of us have been there of uh, one form or fashion. And I just, I'm just thankful for him as we kind of talk through how to do it effectively and how to do that even biblically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there was, I think, really close to the beginning of the conversation. Uh, I, you know, I just had it in my ear. I was listening to it as we were preparing for today. And uh, he said a couple of things about, like, you might be in this situation. And he just named some metrics. And I was like, that's exactly me. And, and it, I mean, hit the nail on the head of some of the stuff that I I've dealt with in the past. I, I struggle through. So, um, I, I'm very thankful for Zach and for his input for the conversation you guys had. A little jealous of the beard, but you know that's because he's got just the manliest beard ever, and I can barely keep mine to grow in one direction. So, <laughs> um, I'm I'm very thankful for Zach and and his 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 input, his leadership, uh, the fact that he got Youth Ministry Booster going, uh, and I think you guys are going to benefit greatly from the conversation that Zach and Ryan had today. So if you have not done so, please take a minute to comment or leave a star review for us. Uh, If whatever podcast platform you're on, Apple, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, But we'd love for you to do that because that allows us to continue to keep solid youth ministry content coming and for people who are looking for it to find it more easily. So stay tuned for our next episode.